Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. An Erio's original. Each week we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado Smith and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today we're speaking with guest expert Natalia Pardo Villaveses. Natalia is an associate professor at the University of Los Andes, where she is the head of the geoscience department. Her research focuses on physical volcanology based on tephra field mapping, stratigraphy, and sedimentology to reconstruct past explosive eruptions. She also works in the development of workshops bridging Western science and indigenous knowledge to mitigate volcanic risk. Let's hear what she has to say about the Nevado del Ruiz eruption and the Armero tragedy. Hi, Natalia. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for your invitation. <laughs> well, I was hoping that you could start off by giving us some context about the town of Armero. Where is it located and what are the some of the of its specific attributes? Um, and, and was there a specific reason the town was settled at the foot of the volcano? Okay, so Armero, it's, uh, it's um, placed in a very interesting a geological situation and geographical location in the country is right in the middle and in the Magdalena River Valley. So um, the Magdalena River Valley is one of the main rivers um, flowing from south to north Colombia. And so it goes, it runs parallel to two of the mountain ranges that we have here, which are the central cordillera and the eastern cordillera. Armero was exactly placed on the foothill of the central cordillera. So it was placed in the low part of the valley, just when the, the mountain ranges, ranges end. And so all the rivers coming from the volcanoes try to go to the Magdalena River. That's their path. And Armero was exactly where one of the main rivers, Lagunilla, it's, it's canyoning, like it is first canyoned and then it opens and outflows and discharges all its energy into the main depositional region, which is where, where it wants to rest and flow into the main Magdalena River Valley. But um, besides being in that dangerous, risky situation, it's also like a region perfect for for crops and and um to yeah especially back then it was cotton and it's a perfect region to grow food so it's it's a perfect place it's flat also it's easy to build it's really close to the water resources so most of the initial economy of Colombia, actually, after the colonization, was developed along the Magdalena River, along that um, flood, flood, flood plain. Oh, so it, it has a history of being inhabited. Yeah, yeah. Now, just months before the eruption occurred in November of 1985, experts were ringing the alarms about the potential dangers that this town faced. What what were they concerned about? What did they know that perhaps the residents and the local officials didn't? So one important thing maybe I forgot to say is that it's far distant from Nevada del Ruiz. And so back oh. then, and when you don't know, um, when inhabitants don't follow, and, and not only inhabitants, like all the, the, the planning of, of towns and cities and inhabited places in a country do not take into account the geographical connection between sources like volcanoes and how they connect, the, the rivers connect those sources with other uh, valleys and main rivers. So you, if you don't see the mountain, you don't feel the connection with the mountain. So that was um, something that geologists already saw because that's our job. We, we see the geography, the landscape, and we look for rivers connecting volcanoes with the positional sites. 
And so they got stressed because they, and, and, and it, it was something that anyone interested in, in geography could see, the connection between Nevada and Ruiz along those rivers towards the Magdalena Valley and starting to notice that they were alluvial um, fans. Those things are like a specific um, geomorphological features that we, geomorphology means that the landscape has a fan-shaped um, geometry and that is very typical where the rivers like kind of throw up, right? So, <laughs> And so the town was located or was growing on top of that region. The other thing that, that they started to notice, well, originally, actually, there were climbers, people hiking the mountain, who first noticed that there was something odd. There was a sulfur smells, there were yellowish um, colors on the snow back then it had lots of snow there was a chalet people we don't ski in Colombia but back then that was the only place where it was kind of possible oh, wow. and so people who used to hide they were actually the ones who noticed something was wrong and they started to communicate and the first scientists started to try to go up but it was really difficult at the moment and when they could finally go and see, they started to notice that there were mud pools, like boiling mud in some of uh, the, the, the scenery was changing. So those kind of physical changes in the environment start to be worrying. And then they started to call for uh, help, international help of, of um, Ecuador, had a already volcanologic volcanologist around the Italian government sent the volcanologist here, also people from Switzerland, and so they already started to build up a technical team. And universities in Colombia started to do the main geological observations as well as the geologists working back then in Ingeminas, which was the geological survey at the moment, and that they then um, started to check the, the connection of the river, but also to see that there were dangerous processes recorded in the stratigraphical record of the region. That, mm. What does it mean? It means that um, really mass movements, really what we call mud flows or technically speaking, lahars, had occurred in the past. And, and now we know that what happened to our meadow has happened there many times before. So it's been like a recurrent process of the volcano during many years. So one worrying thing is that in 100 years, you lose the social memory of what has happened and if you lose the social memory, then the, the risk level increases. So all of these things were worrying, actually. And, and they started to do what we call the hazard map, which means you start to identify those places that have been affected in the geological past by volcanic processes. And they, I, they identified these lahar deposits in the past. 
underneath Armero and, and not only there. Wherever the rivers fell into the Magdalena River, they had those um, like traces of past lahars. Where you see past in geology, it means that it can happen again. Can you give uh, our listeners a little refresher on what a lahar is and, and yeah. its potential destruction? So a lahar is... Um, uh, <laughs> let me pick the proper words. It's a mud flow. So it means that it's a mass movement. It's something that... Um, it, it's a flow that goes um, controlled by gravity from, from higher mountain regions towards low lands. And uh, it's um, a mixture of volcanic particles. Like uh, it doesn't actually have to, to, you don't need an eruption to produce a lahar. You just need to have available volcanic sediments around, just like loose particles in the region and lots of water available. So that mixture of water, and it could be a dam, it could be a crater lake, it could be lots of rain, it could be also what happened in Armero, that was a, a, an eruption that melted the, the glacier, and then you have the, that water available. As soon as you have water, water available, loose volcanic particles, and a slope, that's the perfect combination you need to produce this mixture that is really thick, really um, fast in this case, because the, the, the difference in height is huge. Like from, from the top of the mountain towards the valley, the top of the mountain is about 4,000 4, meters above sea level, whereas the lowland in Magdalena is around 500 meters. Mm. So it's lots of, lots of um, um, difference there. So gravity wins, <laughs> and that mixture uh, is it's that thick that is available to take even cars on top, like to lift uh, houses, to destroy houses, to lift rocks that are above um, meters in diameter, like, like really viscous. It's a really viscous flow, and when it stops, it behaves like concrete. Wow. And uh, so it, it's not that it's hot, but it's too thick and it kind of, um, yeah, blocks all the particles together really, really fast. Now, at the time, what were some of the recommendations that scientists had to ensure the safety of the town? Uh, do you think that these safety measures could have helped? So... That is the part that is confusing, <laughs> and there are many versions. Um, but the main, the main important thing is that the scientists noticed that there was there were little earthquakes happening, and that's an important uh, situation. And also, they produced what they call back then the risk map, which we today we call the hazard map. So it it means that is. They identified the region that could be affected by these processes. So even if you're far away from the volcano, lahars can reach there because mm. if there's a river connecting a glaciated volcano with the Magdalena Valley. And they identified the Armero region as a really hazardous area. And they communicated this map 
which is a 2D graphic production that back then was the work that, that they had to do. And they gave that to the authorities one month before the eruption. Oh, What's wow. the main problem? As I know <laughs> from what yeah. I've, I've listened, is that um, the, the work with the community, the communication, the involvement of participatory processes in developing uh, response plans, evacuation plans, the, the main social activities that now we know that we have to do were not done. The only communication was towards the authorities. And then the authorities then, they, they, there was like a very confusing miscommunication between all the stakeholders. That, that's the risky part. Mm-hmm. That you have scientists just as one, one piece of the, of the information, but there, there were lots of media around giving another information. There were, for instance, in the newspapers, um, some news that were, the titles were that the hazard map that was produced back then was causing um, a, a problem, economical problems, economical problems with the real estate, with the cost of the land, with, um, yeah. And so actually there was non or, or non-efficient communication with media, with the community, especially like, like mm. people were left uh, um, in the last part of the, of the lane uh, in, in terms of decision-making. Um, so, so now from that tragedy, there was a huge lesson with volcanic risk communication. And now we know that the community has to be involved since the beginning. Wow. And yeah. So that, that was learned there. <laughs> yeah. Could you walk us through the timeline of the events that occurred that day in November of 1985? The 11th of September, they had a ash emission. So there was ash coming out from this crater that no one noticed before, so Arenas crater. So there were there was ash emitted to the atmosphere, lots of sulfur and other chemical uh, compounds that you can notice. And uh, there was a little explosion wow. at like around 1.30 p.m. Then at 6 p.m., that 11th of September, there was a, an important um, emission, and then they noticed uh, something that they called back then an avalanche. Now we know that is is one of those little lahars along one of the rivers that is called Azufrado River. Azufrado means sulfur, like uh, a, a name that already tells you that, like you know, like. Peasants, campesinos, local people don't use arbitrary names to name right. the papers. Right, right. You know? And so, okay, there was this little, little lahar that a, a, a half an hour later, later interrupted one of the main um, roads that connected towns around the volcano. So that was the 11th of September. 
Then the 13th of September, there were additional um, noises related to um, probably like the, the gravitational failure of rocks, like there were slumps or um, pieces of the glacier that were um, breaking you know, these surface movements. And then they started to call for meetings, you know, with the local majors um, and the people involved, but the, the people from the region of Tolima, which is the one where our meadow is located, didn't go. So that is one of the things wow. that that is also important in this case, that you see the volcano from Manizales. That region is called Caldas. And those people were aware of what was going on. But Tolima region, where Armero is located, is so far away. And without this um, social memory of the connection with the volcano that they said, we're, we're just too far away. <laughs> we're not interested in this. This is not related to us. So they didn't go. The 19th of September is where they released what they call back then the risk map. And it was released with the United Nations help as well, but it was lots of, of Colombian geologists working. And if you see that map today and you compare it with the actual to the current hazard map, which now is done with all the computer modeling and lots of data and all the science that you want, it's, yeah, it's, it's improved, but but it's basically showing the same thing that they noticed only by doing field geology back then. Wow. So and they knew. So they knew. And then they identified Armero, and not only Armero, also Onda, Mariquita, Balema, so all these towns located on the lowlands where these towns were close to rivers connected to the volcano. But that's the first thing they noticed. And... Uh, a few late, few, few days uh, later, so the 13th of November is the the Saturday. So the yeah. 13th of November at 3 p.m., there were lots of um, noises reported close to a river that is called Wali. So there are many, many campesinos living there. As I said, they, 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 these are families which are super connected to the what they grow, no, or to the to the to the cows and their animals, or with the growing crops. So they notice this these uh, noises close to this Guali river, and then they notice the first ash emission, and this ash actually fell down in Armero at 5 p.m. So you need a time from the ash moving uh, with the wind, actually in a wind direction that is not too uh, common in Colombia. Usually here the wind blows towards the west. But in this case, there was wind blowing also towards the east. And then you need time for these little particles to go to the with the wind and finally fall down like raining, ash raining in Armero two hours later. At 7 p.m., then the Red Cross started to call the evacuation of Armero. 
at 9 p.m., there was an explosion and lahars producing along these rivers, the Azufral, Wali, another one that is also called Molinos, Chinchina, that is not mentioned, but there were many, many problems there as well. And the, 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 the main the main responsible one in this case that is called Lagunilla. So the, the lahars started to, to produce at 9 p.m. At 9.30, there were uh, reports by the civil defense of Caldas, the other region where Manizales is located. There were some um, radio uh, stations reporting what was going on, uh, things on TV. But at 9.30 and 9.50, basically, there was the, a major pulse. And only until 10 p.m., the major of Mariquita, which is a town located close to Armero, reacted. So too slow. Wow, too so slow. slow. At 10.40, the first Lahar reached uh, Chinchina, where there were many casualties there as well. And at 11.35 p.m., the Lahar reached Armero. So if you see the eruption was between 9.30 and 9.50. And so there were almost two hours before Armero got impact. And so it was just too slow. So this is what is reported. Now, what you hear from the people, from survivals, is that it was so confusing that they 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 didn't know what to do, who to believe. There was lots of information. Even if I'm not wrong, there was a problem with electricity at some stage. The, there was only one radio station that was um there was a priest in charge, but this priest was very far away from the region, so he couldn't see what was already oh. going on and the main messages were to calm down, like you, like not to panic, not to panic, and mm -hmm. things like that. And so, basically, the decision was in the community, but with a community that was not prepared because they were left <laughs> behind the communications and the preparations. And so, the ones who understood quickly that it was the volcano, that the noises were the rivers, that there were these rocks coming some, somewhere from somewhere and that they were actually understanding that that was a lowland. They took the decision to move to a little hill that it was not too far away and it was really possible to evacuate there. So the tragedy didn't have to happen if the, the evacuation was perfectly possible. There were two wow. hours available to do it. But this thing of not knowing what to do, not, not having a clear communication. And eventually, um, one of my my colleagues who, who is one of the survivors, she was a student and back then. So now you <laughs> there was wow. a, a situation that is also very, very sad that there were geology students that night in a meadow, even if in the universities, they already knew that it was a very dangerous place. And they slept that night there. And she said that they, they um, were in the little hotel. They climbed to the last um, floor 
And when she realized and she felt this um, wave, like she saw a wave and that's yeah. the last thing that she remembers. So it was a really violent flow. Um, but the, the, the sad part of this tragedy is that now with the knowledge that we have now, right. it was not needed. Like it, it is something that, you know, it's, it's, perfectly uh understood that the reaper will bring those things to yes you. absolutely avoidable tragedy yes unfortunately we're running out of time but i i we like to ask all of our guest experts this question at the end of the day if you were to pick a person or a thing it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the Armero tragedy caused by the eruption of Nevado del Ruiz, who or what would that be? Lack of communication, miscommunication. And I would add this lack of participatory process in decision-making. That's, that's the basic mistake. Wow. Thank you so much, Natalia, for helping us understand, sadly, this very avoidable tragedy that should be talked about all the time. I can't believe we didn't know about this. This is a, an important one. It's an important one. We've learned in, in the entire uh, has people working with hazard mitigation. It's kind of one of the events that sadly happened and also sadly taught us lots of things like now yeah. uh, the, the thing is that these things cannot happen again that's it's a human-centered tragedy it's not nature it's wow completely avoidable and and the the, res the disaster is a is is a social um aspect it's not nature that is disastrous, you know, catastrophic. Thank you so much, Natalia. You're welcome. And thank you for this uh, opportunity to share. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. So interesting, so detailed Natalia's Mm -hmm. uh, explanation of how things happened. And Mm. it really gives you the sense, you know, and and we we talked about this in our episode, but you really get the sense that this was happening for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there was plenty of time for everyone to get out, not just the day of, but I mean, even months before. Yeah, I was really fascinated by her description of like the hundred year kind of like social history, how every hundred years you kind of lose that memory of what happened and her emphasis on the fact that it was really a human centered tragedy, not just like nature, like right. a fluke nature thing, which we discussed ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Nature was not to blame uh, for this one. The, yeah, I agree with you, Clayton. The the hunt, you know, when she was talking about after a hundred years, you lose social memory, and if you do, then the risks start it uh, coming up. Yeah. It turns into risk. I was like, that is yes. I can can we put that on a on a poster? Mm-hmm. Can I, I? I would love a, a necklace that says <laughs> with that. Right. Um, it makes you offer ask that what, on the what maybe are you oh. not are you a hundred years away from that you're not really taking seriously, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, geez, Stop that. I mean, this is this is what keeps me up at night. <laughs> the other thing that spooked me was geomorphology, which is what she discussed. I mean, talk about something else to be really scared about. Just land changing over time. Yeah. Like, well, what we know now we might not know tomorrow about geology. It's like mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I also wanted to give a shout out. I thought it was interesting. And we didn't talk about this on the original episode was that the hikers who hiked in that area noticed um, the smell of sulfur and the sort of odd boiling mud or the other details that um, Natalia mentioned, which then they tipped off the scientists about. So right. they really got the ball rolling. And yeah. From there, um, obviously not enough was done, but, um, you know, almost a big clap there for the, for the right. hikers to have noticed that. The, and the fact that they, they kicked off this investigation, right. which was led by the electrical company. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it just tells you how... It's not that they were unprepared, but it was they were in the beginning of studying this area and this volcano. You know, they hadn't they, they you know, she was talking about how there was the one geologist who had the one machine who would stay up all night because right. uh, they didn't want to lose any information. You know, it, it was 
it was kind of bare bones. Yeah. And also, you know, her point, which is, I think, something that she mentioned a couple times, which was that locals were not attending these meetings. Right. The the Basically, that the new approach here is to get, you know, locals and civilians on board early in these sort of um, risk assessment situations uh, for volcanoes, particularly. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, you hope that this process gets sort of perfected or at least gets made better um, by this tragedy. And that's definitely something she um, enlightened us on. Now, she she did end up blaming the uh, lack of communication, actually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we know that her motive to, you know, Natalia, you know, doing the work she does, she she works with the communities to try to mitigate risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that she would have been a, a, an incredible asset right. to the people of Armero at that time. Unfortunately, they didn't have that liaison. Right. And uh, that that was to their detriment, sadly, because they just they weren't informed about what to do. And, you know, but the question then that we should ask, I guess, is whose role or whose responsibility is it to make sure that you as a town are informed of all the risks, right? And I still think that that goes to the officials, right? Right, sure. So what do we think here? Because, you know, Natalia made it very clear that this was man-made. Mm-hmm. And I and I, and I think the, the communication, you know, I, I think perhaps we slap the communication and we keep those government officials. In jail? For, yeah. Yes, we just to remind everyone, we threw the Colombian government in jail, um, and we did slap the scientists versus politicians. Right. It, it wasn't. We weren't slapping the actual scientists. It was no, the, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, the um, dynamic, the, really. I guess. Yeah. How how science can be politicized? Yes. You yes, know. Yes. Yes. And um, you know, essentially, what what Natalia was talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in her description of the events, I, it hit me how, because this was happening for, you know, almost a year before the actual eruption, you know, it had officials like evacuated, let's say a few months when the, when the initial explosion happened in September, you know the the eruption happened in, in in November, but the uh, there were explosions that were happening as early as September. That's why they didn't want to evacuate because where were you going to house all of those people right, right. for that amount of time? And they didn't want to spend that money. But I say you have to, right? Mm-hmm. You have to incur the the cost that it takes to keep people safe. If you're going to allow these towns to just be in the at the foot of a, a of a volcano, right. it has to go hand in hand, right? Yeah, it's it's yep. tough. Um, okay, so I I think I'm going to call it. What do you say? 
we slap the la- like Natalia said the the lack of communication, and sure. we keep the, the we keep the government officials in jail as since they I think bore the responsibility of making sure the communication was better. Sure. For the town. Okay. okay. Now, just to uh, clarify, is it lack of communication? We had poor communication systems on the board, but you want to, we're, we're labeling it lack of communication, as Natalia said? Or is it the systems? Yes. Lack of communication between the, uh, the town uh, officials. Okay. And the um the, the experts and the experts I, yeah, yeah the local, because yeah just making sure that there was a plan there was no plan right and and people died because of that okay lack of communication you're getting the big slap it, again it was so great talking to natalia and learning about this tragedy that we we can't forget we really can't forget we can't let a hundred years go yeah. mm-hmm. and lose this in our social memory because I, I, we already saw it. I, I had not heard about this tragedy. So, and it's only been, I don't know, I'm really bad at math, but 37, 38 37 years? years. Yeah. Yeah. It's already happening. We're already mm-hmm. losing it. So here we are. Our job is, uh, as the alarmist crew is to yeah. remind people, keep it alive because it is that yep a dire. good reminder to the alarm me to go and re-listen to every other episode we've ever done <laughs> so that they don't forget all those ones too <laughs> it's a tall, but tall yeah order. i mean <laughs> to, you know what you can do is tell someone you know about this tragedy and say hey you know oh you don't know about it well you should look into it i don't know let's let's talk about it let's spread the word a little yeah, right. bit mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, stay tuned because next week we're going to be discussing the Hollywood 10. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.